One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. It's pretty powerful when the, when the Lord zeroes in on a dark thing uh, because He wants to reveal the light, right? He, he, he actually wants to chase the darkness. We, we talked about uh, um, the, being conscious of the Lord's intent, um, the Lord's design, um, is that he doesn't? It's not like he's a, he's afraid of anything. Um, he actually, when it all started, right, the the darkness covered the earth, and he actually hunted the darkness. Yes. He actually came in with an intent and a purpose. And so, when you have that revelation, um, there's there's no darkness that the Lord can't deliver you of. Right? There's no sin. There's no there's no pain. There's not there's nothing greater than the power of God and that the the power of uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and, you know, oftentimes we don't understand fully um, the Holy Spirit and why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. Somewhere in it. Right? I don't know. And so, <laughs> Sorry. And so the, the Holy Spirit um, is actually, um, if, if, if you think about the power of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, right? He made the way, but... He sent the Holy Spirit, right? He actually made the way. He actually took sin to the grave. Uh, he conquered. He went into hell. He took all the keys. We talked about Jesus taking all authority away from Satan. Now he holds the keys of life and the keys of death and sin, right? Revelation 1.18 says he holds the keys of sin and death. So the revelation of Christ is he holds all keys, right? And if Jesus holds all keys, how many keys does Satan hold? Zero, right? A key is a symbol of authority. So Jesus holds all authority. So our attention, we should be conscious of Jesus having the ability to unlock you from all prisons, to unchain you from all chains, to to heal every form of brokenness in our heart, right? So our attention is on Jesus. Our attention is not on the world and the limitations that have, have come upon us. Amen? Amen. And so um, I want to talk to you really today about the value of the Holy Spirit because um, Jesus didn't finish at the cross, right? Jesus was resurrected and he walks on, he, he walks on the earth for 40 days. The Bible says that um, Jesus walked uh, among the disciples and the followers of Jesus for 40 days. And before he ascended into heaven, Luke 24, 49, he says, do not leave this city because I'm going to send upon you the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And that promise of the Father is that you would walk in the authority of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that you would no longer ever be a victim of the darkness, that you would no longer bow to a limitation. You would actually go be conscious of the one who speaks and has the power and ability to change everything. Because he actually waits for uh, a heart to connect with him to actually lay down our sin to him, to lay down our darkness so that he can actually speak into it and, and bring revelation and, and drive out the dark thing. Right? Amen? 
So the 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 power of the Holy Spirit is a a. Uh, we talked last night about the the Holy Spirit being the hunter, right? Be, being the the hunter of darkness. And so uh, in John chapter 16, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will do three things. He will convict the world of sin, right? You actually need Jesus to conquer your sin. You will convict the world of righteousness. What that means is that when you step into Christ, His blood actually washes you clean. Only Jesus Christ can, can make you righteous. You can't work hard enough. You can't earn hard enough. You can't put enough money in an offering plate. You can't accomplish anything to do what only Christ could do, which is His blood washes you. Yeah. Right? So, convict the world of sin, convict the world of righteousness, and the third one is, He will judge the darkness. Yeah. He will judge Satan. And that's, that's absolutely my favorite one, because when you look at the church, there's a lot of people that talk about the recognition of Jesus conquering sin. There's even a bunch of people probably a smaller group of people that talk about the revelation of Jesus giving you righteousness. But there are very few that talk about the fullness of the awakening of the church becoming the most powerful force on earth because you become one with the Holy Spirit knowing that the Holy Spirit is not angry at you. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to team up with Him so that He can bring the judgment on the darkness. Right? So you, the body, become the most powerful force on the earth. Amen? Amen. Because you know your sins forgiven. You know He made you righteous. There's nothing about what you did. It's all about what He did. And you embrace this Holy Spirit. It's like, okay, Jesus, what are we judging today? What are we, what, what are we coming to bring the judgment of God upon the darkness, right? And that, that's the revelation that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to judge the darkness to deliver the people out of darkness, yeah. right? So, so, so this context of what makes you supernatural is learning to be conscious of the Holy Spirit, right? How, how many of you, we, we talked about dreams and visions. How, how many of you have dreams and visions on a routine basis, right? Um, do you realize that the Lord wants to talk to you continuously? He's actually talking to you continuously. The, the problem is most of us aren't positioned to hear Him. Okay, so I want to talk to you today about being positioned to hear Him. Uh, because if your position, if you set your life on being positioned to hear Him, He will invade your life supernaturally and you will become a supernatural force. He will make you something you could never make on your own. That's why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit, right? We talked last night about um, what the pattern of Jesus, right? John 5.19, it says that Jesus only did what He saw His Father doing. The Pharisees who, who tried to conform themselves to Scripture were confounded because Jesus came claiming Himself as the Son of God and He functioned in a relationship where the Father gave Him visions and dreams, right? John 5.19, I only do what I see my Father doing, right? How, how did He meet the disciple named Nathaniel? He walks up to Nathaniel and He says, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under a tree and Nathaniel's like, whoa, how did you know what I was doing before you came? Because the Holy Spirit led me, right? And the pattern of Jesus, every he goes into prayer, he comes out of prayer, all right, boys, we're going to the woman at the well. He goes into prayer, he comes out, all right, we're going to feed the 5,000, right? He goes into prayer, he comes out with vision. He comes out with purpose. He didn't walk like... It, you know, a lot of people have this perception that Jesus just, he was the Son of God, so he just, wherever he went, it just happened. No, 
he actually revealed the pattern of relationship that he goes into prayer to hear, to relate, to commune. That's what communion is. It's spiritual, right? So you go into this spiritual relationship to hear God speak to you. And when he speaks to you, Jesus did everything after the Lord, the Father, sent him, right? So Jesus steps in, boom, and and the, the demoniac chained to the tombs gets delivered because the Father purposely sent him, right? The Spirit led him into um, the place to bring deliverance to the demoniac who ultimately was an evangelist to the whole region. And the next time Jesus came through the region, everybody came to Christ because Jesus went and delivered one man. Amen? Amen. So what's the power of you being delivered? Are you getting the picture? One per- the person who hears God is the most powerful force on earth. Yes. And so your, your, your um, pursuit of God, your pursuit of what, what the, the Holy Spirit is saying to you ultimately will bring deliverance to um, tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands of people. And that's a, that's, that's a natural product of hearing the Lord. Okay? Yes. And so the Christian walk... Um, ultimately should should uh, bring you to maturity of continuously hearing, right? Your confidence is in, okay, Lord, if we're sitting here this week, if we're sitting in Tampa, Florida for the next six months, um, and you're gonna you're gonna just start rebuilding me, right? You're good with it. Mm-hmm. But for the for the year after that, he's sending you to uh, Moscow, Russia, where you're gonna lead a, lead a revolution. And there's going to be thousands of people filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you're done with that, he brings you back to Toronto, Canada. And you sit there to get a fresh download of what he's going to do with you next. And then he sends you to the next place. All right, you, get, you get in the pattern, right? right? And so this pattern, a lot of people don't understand this pattern. Um, the pattern of prayer and the pattern of relationship should produce a supernatural lifestyle. Right? The supernatural lifestyle should not be an unusual thing in the church. The supernatural lifestyle should be normal. right? And you can get on all kind of rabbit trails from that statement because you ask, you have, the next question is, well, why isn't most of the church supernatural? <laughs> right? You get the picture, right? Because they probably aren't um, functioning the way Jesus um, ultimately commissioned them to function. Because the commission in John, in Mark 16, Jesus, Jesus said this, Go into the world and preach the gospel. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name you will cast out demons. Right? You saw that last night. Right. In my name you will pray in tongues. We saw people get baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues last night for the first time. Right? You will take up serpents. The term take up serpents actually means you go into prayer and you discern. The Lord actually shows you the demonic powers that He's sending you to hunt. Mm-hmm. Okay? We didn't talk a lot about that, but maybe I will today. But um, And then the fourth thing is that you will lay hands on the sick, you'll see them recover. Yeah. That's a supernatural life. Jesus didn't say that you just come believe in me and sit in a pew for the rest of your life. A, a pew potato. Oh yeah, I'm saved. Well, where's the evidence? Yes. Oh, I'm saved, yeah. Where's the evidence? <laughs> yeah, just come to the altar. Well, what do you mean just come to the altar? Yeah, you just come to the altar and you sit for the rest of your life in a pew and you're good. No. Jesus said there would be evidence that I am with you. Right? And if there's no evidence I am with you, 
Let's actually go back and address whether or not you are really born again. Because if you're born again, you will live a supernatural life connected to the Holy Spirit, hearing His voice. And so the value of the Holy Spirit and becoming spiritual, becoming conscious of what the Lord is saying, will, is the only thing that will lead you into maturity. Okay? So let's talk about that for a minute. The context of um, understanding how you are reformed um, is an important thing. Right? Jesus, Jesus led Peter, John, and James up the mountain of transfiguration for a reason. To demonstrate, number one, that you how Jesus encountered the Father. How He encountered the heaven, the presence of God. And that when you encounter Him, it should be expected that He speaks to you. Right? So Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up the mountain in Mark chapter 9. Um, all of a sudden it says, uh, in, I think it's uh, Mark 9 verse 7, it says that the shadow over overpowered them, over, hovered over them, and out of the, the, the cloud, out of the shadow, the voice came and began to speak. This is my son whom I am well pleased, right? He, he began this connection, this heavenly connection. Jesus functioning came as a man and ultimately connected with heaven spiritually. And that actually produced something that shocked the three disciples that were with him, right? Jesus was actually, it says he was transfigured. Um, the term transfigured actually means he was physically changed. He was no longer a mere man. He was a supernatural, um, he took on his heavenly appearance, right? He, they were like, oh my gosh, like Jesus is glowing. Do you know that all of you are supposed to glow? Amen. There's a light that, yes. that can be uh, revealed in you as you encounter the presence of the Lord and He speaks to you. Okay? I told you last night about, you know, in dreams and in, in, in conversations with the Lord in 2015, the Lord comes to me in a dream and He says, a man from India will call you. You are to go. Seven days later, I get a call from this man in India and I'm standing in front of thousands of people. That didn't exist before the Father spoke. Okay? So your next supernatural event is connected to hearing what He is saying to you today. And you will be transfigured. The guy that went to India didn't exist until the Father showed up in, my, in the dream He came to me, overshadowed me, and spoke and changed. He reformed me. He revealed something um, in my life. He, he put something on me. He imparted something to me that I didn't have the ability to do beforehand, but He had an intent to encounter me as I was encountering Him. And, and what's so important to understand in, the, in a heart that chases after what the Lord is saying um, is that in, in, in the description in Mark chapter 9, verse 7, it says that the voice came out of heaven and spoke. He, it said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. There's a word in there that actually um, it's described, the Greek word Lego, right? You guys know what Legos are, right? Lego blocks, mm -hmm. right? You add one block on another. You add another block on another. Pretty soon, one block with multiple other blocks becomes a skyscraper, Pretty soon you add one block upon another block and you, you build a race car, right? You, build, you, you add one block upon another block, another block, and, and, and you, you have um, a, a resort. You, you, you build things. The concept of the word Lego is 
as the voice comes out of heaven, he builds you, he imparts to you, he makes something of you that didn't exist before. He's continuously creating. So what I was 10 years ago, didn't, it, it didn't exist. But in a prayer life, he, he, I make myself available through my prayer life, and he continually is adding a block. Tomorrow, he adds another block. Three days later, he comes and gives me another vision, and he adds another block. And then he adds five blocks. And I'm laying on my face, I'm weeping, I'm crying, and he's, he's adding more blocks. And, and three months later, I walk out of my prayer room with an ability that I did not have three months ago because he's constantly transforming me, reforming me, building me. You get the picture? Right? So Jesus was demonstrating a con- what, the power of continuous encounter. He, Jesus was being built. Right? And if you study the, the, uh, the timeline of Jesus' life, after he had this transfiguration on the mountain, he came down the mountain in Mark, in, in Mark chapter 9 and 10, and he made a beeline for Jerusalem. He was transfigured. He was changed. The Father came and spoke. And out of speaking, he, he came down off that mountain and went straight to Jerusalem to fulfill his mission. You get the picture? Yeah. Right? That part of Jesus didn't exist until the encounter. Until the Father spoke. It may have been prophesied of the whole thing, but the timing, when, how, who, how it was all going to be pieced together was voice-driven. Go here, stop, wait three months. Go here, do this. Take two steps back, wait and trust me. You get the picture? Mm -hmm. And so the whole thing is voice-driven. You can't sit there and read that Bible by yourself and think you're going to get there. In fact, you'll never get there. That was the failure of the Pharisee. They sat there and tried to do it themselves by reading Scripture. And Jesus actually says to them in, in John 5.38, you come, you, you search the Scripture thinking you can find me, but you can't even see me standing in front of you because you don't know me spiritually. Think about that. Think about all these denominations that worship the Bible. Jesus never yes. said worship the Bible. He said worship me. Know me in spirit and truth. Right? And that's not a dig at the Bible. I love the Bible. I have spent thousands of hours being, stud- being studied by the Holy Ghost in the Bible. Only the Holy Ghost can reveal the truth of the Bible. But the point of the Bible is to point to the living God. The Bible is a love letter. It's His declaration to you of His promise to to connect you to the living God. Right? So, so I don't come in here in the power of the Holy Ghost because I have a Bible with me. I come in here in the power of the Holy Ghost because I literally am walking with the one who sent me. Okay? It wasn't my choice to come to, to Tampa. And before that, it wasn't my choice to go to Toledo, Ohio. And before that, God forbid, it definitely was not my choice to live in Parkersburg, West Virginia. <laughs> you, you get the picture? But I said yes, and then I said yes, and then I said yes, and every place he sent me has produced fruit, has produced deliverances, has produced people who hear God who didn't hear God before. Okay? And so the the intent of, of what I want to talk about today is really about valuing the Holy Spirit and particularly the gift of tongues. 
Because when I, when I go to travel places, uh, one, of, one of the things that is really misunderstood and devalued is the gift of tongues. Okay? The gift of tongues um, is actually the one gift that actually is intended to be the platform on which all the other gifts of the Spirit are built and released in your life. Okay? And so if you don't understand the gift of tongues, you don't use the gift of tongues, you will end up still being a powerless Christian. Somebody who um, doesn't walk in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Somebody who hasn't fulfilled everything that the Lord has for their life. Alright? And so, um, to kind of illustrate this, um, you know, I, to- I told you a few minutes ago about the-, the Lord, there was probably about six or seven years where I would spend hours and hours in the Bible, usually because the Lord would wake me up and say, go to this particular scripture. I want to talk to you about this. He would start talking to me, um, and he would spend weeks talking to me about the intent and the meaning of a particular scripture. And typically, the way the Lord works with me, um, the gift of revelation is actually a, a combination of the meaning of scripture, but more importantly, um, the Lord actually showing you with dreams and visions the meaning. You, you guys saw me prophesy last night. There was some very um, articulate, um, intimate information that the Lord revealed. Okay, and the only re- the only way that happened is because of a history of a prayer life of being taught to learn the voice of the Lord, taught to know what the Lord is saying, and it comes out of a prayer life. Okay. And so, um, you know, I want to I want to uh, articulate um, the meaning of a particular scripture for you with, with an encounter that I had back in back in 2012. Um, and before 2012, I could not stand up in front of a whole crowd of people, pull people out, and no matter who you put in front of me, I could prophesy. That didn't that didn't occur or that didn't exist in 2012. Okay. But I, but I started having these heavenly encounters where the Lord would show me these very detailed uh, revelations, particularly about the gift of tongues. Um, and after I had these encounters, I had abilities, spiritual abilities that I didn't have before the encounter. And so the number the, before I talk about the encounter and the, and the gift of tongues, um, I, I want you to wrap your mind around the fact that um, you can't learn your way to Jesus you actually encounter your way to Jesus. Okay? And what I mean by that is this. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The word, word there is not Scripture. It actually it means the word rhema. The word rhema actually means dreams, visions, and encounters. It actually means that faith, only the Lord can impart faith to you. You can't sit there and say, I'm going to memorize 20 Scriptures and you're, oh, you're, you're trying your hardest, right? You're, trying, you're memorizing. You're trying to believe. Anybody, anybody been there? You're trying to believe. Yes. And with all your heart, you're trying to believe. You realize you're wasting your time? There's all kind of books out there, all kind of books written by the church that say things like, oh, yeah, you just have to read this. You just have to memorize this. Right? The Word of Faith movement says that if you know what it says, but it doesn't produce, then, then there's something wrong with you. You don't have faith. And there's a little bit of truth to that. Okay? It, it actually puts condemnation on you, but, but Jesus actually is not the condemner. He doesn't put condemnation on you. 
The revelation that you have to function is that you don't put your time and effort into trying to memorize a Bible. Okay? That's a waste of time. Unless he gives you a scripture and he wants you to memorize it. Okay? And let, let me clarify the statement for you so you don't walk away with the wrong perception. I told you faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the, the rhema of God, meaning he imparts it to you. Okay? And so the meaning, the meaning of that, that you need an encounter. Number one, you have to inspect an expect the encounter. And you actually should desire the encounter. You should center your life around the encounter. You should actually pursue the presence of God. Right? Did Jesus give the Bible or did Jesus give the Holy Spirit? He gave, he gave you one thing. The early church, did, they didn't have, a, they didn't have, they had zero scripture. Yet the church couldn't be stopped. The Old Testament, right, was only in the Jewish synagogue. The average person didn't have a written scripture. The, so the church had nothing. They had zero. They didn't, the average person, the average Jew knew tradition. They didn't know all the, the, the Bible. They depended on the Pharisee who memorized the, the, the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, right? And so the early church, all they had was Jesus said to stay here in the city and the wind of heaven comes on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and the church is birthed by the Holy Ghost. So your next rebirthing, right? Your next new thing, you're going to go here. You're not. You're going to stop here. You're going to talk to this person. You're going to work with this church. You're going to be delivered. All is connected to wait and encounter. Wait and encounter, right? And so the gift of tongues is a very important thing. Everybody good with, with, with the concept? Yes. So if you were to rate yourself on a scale of one, 1 to 10, do you center your life around encountering God with an, with an expectation that He's not angry at you? He actually has things to say to you to continually, just like Jesus going up the mountain of transfiguration, that you expect that you're going to climb that mountain daily with Him to be transfigured, to be changed, to have an impartation, Right? Because faith comes where? By hearing. By hearing His voice, which is symbolic of visions and dreams. That's the way the Lord speaks, right? He speaks in visions. You heard me last night, right? I'm standing in, in, in front of in different people, and the Lord shows me a vision. And I speak the vision, what happened to the people? Some people fall, go into deliverance. Some people weep and cry. Some people start to shake. Was that me? Or, or was that the voice of God imparting faith. Something that didn't exist. The Lord speaks into the darkness. He actually hunts the, the, hidden, the hidden thing in the darkness and He calls out by releasing faith into your life. Yeah. That's the power of prophecy in the church. How can a church function without prophecy? Oh yeah, we just read our Bible. Oh yeah, we just read it. We don't really need that Holy Spirit thing. But we just read it. What? That's why you're the same today as you were 25 years ago and then there's no power in your life. Tell me the last time you cast out a devil. Tell me the last time you cast a devil out of yourself. 
Tell me the last time the Lord actually, you actually had a dream of God and you woke up with the hair in your arms standing up and you knew that God showed up in your life. Yes. And, and it can't be explained, right? And you tell me you're going to be a Christian, you're going to go to an altar and then you're going to sit, sit, in, a, sit in a chair for 25 years thinking you're saved? What? You're dead! Dead! Jesus actually said, write the seven letters to the seven churches or seven corrections. And he ends every church with, if you can hear the Spirit. If you can hear the Spirit. The, correct, the seven corrections to the seven errors that Jesus pointed out. Right? You think you're alive, but you are dead. You get to an altar. You say you know me, but you don't hear me. You think you're alive, but you are dead. You don't function in casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. I told you the story last night about raising a dead baby. And it ended up with 430 pastors getting filled with the Holy Ghost, right? You get the picture? Yeah. Amen? Amen? My God. So part of, part of being delivered is recognizing you've been duped by a whole bunch of bad theology. Just sit there. Just read more. Just memorize more. What? No, the point is you have to learn how to pray. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The first thing happened is they were equipped with the gift of tongues. Tongues, a supernatural language that they couldn't produce, came out of them. What did tongues produce? Tongues produced prophecy. It says they first prayed in tongues, then they prophesied. And that's the pattern in the New Testament. They pray in tongues, they go into prayer, they hear God, they prophesy. They, they go into prayer. They pray in tongues. They get visions. It gives them the ability to prophesy. Right? So what should the church be built on? Prayer, hearing, and prophecy. Without those three, you're kind of going through motions, man. You're, you're just going, you're going through motions. You, so, you, so the church, the body comes together to pray because the army together hears... This is, what, this is what the Lord showed me. This is what the Lord showed me. This is what the Lord showed me. Pretty soon you have five people piecing together and the pastor says, wait, there's a theme here. There's a theme with what the Lord is showing us. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. And you suddenly are built by the voice of God. Amen. Right? And you become together functioning in purpose out on the street wherever He's sending you in purpose. The, the problem with most of the church is they don't function in purpose. They think they're, they think they make themselves feel, feel better by talking about Scripture. But they never step into purpose because they're not centered on prayer, hearing, and doing, which is the prophetic. You actually release what the Lord has said. So the point of this is it's all birthed out of being centered properly and with the expectation of what is the Lord saying. What is he going to say to us? How's the hearing, right? You got the picture? Stale bread versus fresh bread, right? Amen? So you center your life around hearing. And so the gift of tongues is a, a very important thing to understand, okay? The first excuse that, we, that the Lord actually eliminates by giving you the gift of tongues, we talked a little, about, a little bit about it last night, is Romans 8.26. How many of you guys know what to pray for every day? Actually, after you get through your list, which is actually not prayer, it's actually a bunch of self-wants. 
Lord, woes me, help me here, da da da. That's a bunch. That's a bunch of self wounds. Okay. <clears throat> you actually end up stopping because you don't know what to pray for. You have no idea. You know why the Lord gives you the gift of tongues? Romans eight twenty six says, "For we do not know what to pray for as we ought." But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings, which a language we don't understand, but we trust it. So think about this. He bypassed all your inability and to whine and complain and to feel like you have no ability. And you're actually, your first level of trust is embracing the gift of the Holy Spirit who prays through you, who actually does the work. And all you have to do is sit back. All right, Lord, I'm rolling out of bed at 4.30 today. Uh, we're putting in some time. I'm going to hear you, right? Shalaba sote sitalaba sinkuraba setobra anenebe de eme. Fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, one hour, right? Two hours, three hours. People ask me how many. When you describe the encounters you have in heaven in your books, um, how does it happen? I'm telling you how it happened. I fell in love with prayer. The Lord actually taught me about prayer. And the supernatural followed. It's automatic. And so first off, he's getting rid of your excuse. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings we don't understand. Right? So why do you get baptized in the Holy Ghost? To make you idiot-proof. <laughs> to actually literally make you idiot-proof, spiritually. You, you have no excuse. You, have, you, don't have, you don't have to worry anything. You have this Holy Ghost, and you roll out of bed, and you're sitting there, and you're like, all right, Lord, this is all you, because I can't do this. Which draws the voice of the Father. We'll get to that in a second. Okay? Verse 27. Romans 8, 27, For he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. So let's get this straight. When you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God. You can't get any better. You can't get any better unless you interpret, which we'll get to that in a second, because interpreting, which means he's speaking to you, he gives you visions, which leads to you prophesying. You actually are interpreting for the people what the Lord is saying. That's what prophecy is. Everything I did last night was about people couldn't hear certain things and the Lord gave me secret information to unlock and move you to the next thing. Right? And so, so he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Who's he? He is Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father Knowing the mind of the Spirit. So think about this. This is so supernaturally rigged, it's not even funny. So Jesus takes your sin to, to the grave. He comes up, gives you a secret weapon called the Holy Ghost. He gives you the Holy Ghost and you don't have to, you don't have to know anything. You can be dumber than a box of rocks. You can be the actual, you know, unreliable person on earth. But you begin to trust in the Holy Spirit. And he starts speaking to you because that's his promise. Because he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Spirit of God was given to search your heart. He's actually in you, right? He's searching your heart and he's praying through you because you are verbally trusting him to pray through you. What an amazing supernatural force, right? 
And so <clears throat> the reason why this is so important is because when you begin to trust the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will actually lead you to the encounter, okay? And so <clears throat> the Lord gave me a series of dreams. In 2011, the Lord started talking to me about the gift of tongues. And the gift of tongues became a platform for everything I do. I, I, I told you guys, you know, over a five-year period, I've worked with over 6,000 pastors in India, um, mainly to transition and equip them in the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the gift of tongues, okay? I've walked into rooms. I, I've literally walked into rooms. In fact, let me pause for a second. I, the Lord, it was so intentional on sending me to India with the intent to equip pastors with the ability to pray that... Um, I'll, I'll tell you this story. Um, the pastor, the, my contact in India, we drive up. We're, we're in front of the church. We, um, we, get, we get out and we walk through the front door of the church. Um, as we walk through the front door of the church, um, I'm looking around. This woman looks at me and she, she, she falls, okay? She literally she looks at me and she falls. And she's laying on, she's laying on the ground um, the pastor, we get introduced. He's interpreting for me. Um, and I start, I start I'm, I'm like getting ready to speak. And before any words come out of my mouth, the woman that looked at me when I walked through the door fell to the ground. She's still laying on the ground. When I took the mic, she stands up and starts praying in tongues. And I'm like, well, this, is, this is pretty cool. This is pretty awesome. The person beside her starts praying in tongues. The next thing... The whole group in the corner start praying in tongues. Within five minutes, all 100 plus people in the building were praying in tongues. The pastor is laying on the altar. He's crying. He's shaking and trembling. And me and the interpreter are just like, God's doing something, right? And so five minutes later, the pastor gets up off the ground and, and um, he starts explaining um, and he pulls the woman up. The, the woman that fell to the ground when I first walked through the door, the story goes as this. That church uh, were originally a Baptist-based theology that um, somehow different people in the church realized that there was more, okay? There was more. There was, uh, there was the power of the Holy Spirit that nobody had encountered, and they started wanting the gifts of the Spirit, so they started to pray, and so the pastor, in leading this whole group of people to search for more, that what the Bible actually talks about in the book of Acts is real, um, they started asking God together, we, if, if you are real, if your Holy Spirit is real, we want the Holy Spirit. We want this Acts chapter 2 experience. We want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. We want to pray in tongues. We want to prophesy. We want to see the power of God heal people, deliver people, cast out devils, the whole thing. We want it. And so... The pastor is crying in front of the whole church, and he's like, we, we, the Lord showed up. He answered our prayer. He answered our prayer. And then the woman, they bring the woman that fell down when I first walked into the building. She comes up and she goes, when you walked through the door, I saw an arm of fire come out of your body and touch me. And when it touched me, that's when I fell. And she goes, when I got up, that was the first time in my life praying in tongues. And everybody in the room was the first time they ever prayed in tongues. Okay? So when I come to you saying the Lord is intentional with your prayer life, I'm telling you by His design that He wants to do a supernatural thing with you all. Okay? Praying in tongues is an intent of God. 
It's not an option. It's not like you're going to a car lot and deciding whether you want air conditioning or not. Okay? He actually wants you to be fully equipped because that's what a Christian is, fully equipped. Not just somebody that went to an altar and claims to know Jesus. Somebody who demonstrates Jesus present. Right? And so, I'm telling you that because, my God, He awakened a whole group of people that didn't know the Holy Spirit and somehow I end up around the world literally 30 hours away, um, walk into a room, and the Lord used that situation to change a whole group of people to become supernatural. Okay? And so, is the Lord intentional on wanting you to have the gift of tongues? Okay? And so, your value of the gift of tongues becomes very important. And so, um, in 2011, I started reading. I started, the Lord has me reading all these books. But, that, but after I read the books, I had a whole lot of questions. Anybody ever discover themselves like that? You're trying to get answer from somebody else's revelation, but the Lord has an intention and a design only for you that only you and Him can discover. Right? It has to be imparted. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Faith comes by the relational connection, the hearing of God, and imparting you to do something that you couldn't do yourself, okay? And so I had this dream. I had this dream that really changed my life and changed my value um, uh, of the gift of tongues. And at this point, um, this, this dream that I'm about to share to you launched me into praying in tongues for six hours a day for one year, where, where my encounters in heaven and everything that started happening in my life came through the Lord's unction to embrace this gifting. Okay, so I'm going I'm to tell you about this, this dream to, to, to hopefully birth a new love for this gifting that he's given you, okay? So in this dream, are you, are you guys familiar with the, the description of the tabernacle? The, the description of the tabernacle in Scripture, you have an outer court, and then you have a, what's called an inner court, where you have three things. You have the showbread, um, you have the menorah, Right? And you have um, the ark, the, 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 the yeah, the ark of the testimony. So, um, so those three things are actually in darkness, in the um, uh, what's what's called uh, the the holy place, right? The, so, so you have the outer court, then you have the holy place, which you can have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can have the showbread, right? which is a symbol of, of the Word of God, and you have the, the testament, right? You have, you have the commitment, the re- relational commitment. Those three things are in darkness, but they're offered to you, okay? But the, in the Holy of Holies, which is in the third compartment, is where the Father sits on the throne, right? Yes. Right? So, so is, your, is your design to stay in the outer court? To stay in the holy place? Or the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. The, the, the Bible actually tells us, Paul says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, come boldly to the throne of grace. Yes. Right? Thank you are God. to search Him out. You are to expect to go to His throne. Yes. Right? Is that, is that when you die? Or is that now? That's now. That's now. That's actually what it means to be born again. You are conscious of the Spirit and not bound as a mere man. So when Jesus said, you, you, to, to enter heaven, you must be born again. To see heaven, you must be born again. He's talking about spiritual encounter, spiritual revelation, spiritual relationship. Right? You are born again. 
You don't function as a limited person. You function as a supernatural one who has access to what the Spirit is saying to the church, what the Spirit is saying to you, right? So he's saying you should expect to come in to the holy place, okay? So the dream starts where I walk through the outer court into the holy place, and when you walk into the holy place, the holy place is dark unless the menorah is lit. What's the menorah a symbol of? His spirit. His spirit, his sevenfold spirit, right? So unless the spirit is lit, you can't even Sorry. get into the holiest of holies, Sorry. right? That's it. Amen? And so the purpose of why the Lord gives you the Holy Spirit is to actually take you in, and here's what the Lord showed me about how to get in, okay? And why I believe so much in praying in tongues, okay? So the menorah literally lights up in the dream. All The seven candles on the menorah light up, walk over, and shine a light. There's a Bible sitting on the table where the, where the showbread is, okay? I see a hand turning the Bible to Romans chapter 8, and the finger points to Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what's that mean? That means that the law of the Spirit, He gives you His Spirit, right? He gives you his, the power of His Spirit. How was the church birthed in the day of Pentecost? By the Spirit, right? It was an impartation of the Spirit, okay? So Romans 8 is a reiteration of for the law of, 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 of for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the spirit is a, is a way, the law meaning a flow. You're connected to the spirit that is the way that you conquer sin and death. Limitation. You know that you know that it Paul actually said that if the law, the, the scripture the, the Ten Commandments could have saved you. There would have been no need for Jesus. Right? That's what it says. Yeah. And what did Jesus give? He gives the, the power of the Spirit. Right. right? And so the point of this Scripture, Romans chapter 8, is that you are to become spiritually conscious. Only a spiritual revelation, continuous spiritual encounter, is what breaks you free from sin. Sin and death is about limitation. It's about the ability that you can't do it. It's about being bound. It's about being chained. It's about being confined and broken. Which, at every stage of life, there is always limitation. And the only way that you will overcome it is by the Spirit. By what the Spirit is saying. What's the Spirit saying today? What's the Spirit going to send me to do tomorrow? Right? And so these, these letters jump up off of the off of the page and they they float through the air in this dream and the menorah is burning and it shows these letters being reformed on the door to get into the holiest of holies where the throne is. And very simply it says, pray in tongues. And all of a sudden the menorah busts through the door. The door opens um, as 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 I'm watching this, and it says pray in tongues, in my dream, I start praying in tongues. In my dream, I'm praying in tongues, okay? And the menorah actually, as I start praying in tongues, the menorah breaks open the door into the holiest of holies, and it's like this wind carries me in to the throne room 
where I see the Lord sitting on the, on the throne and He begins to talk to me. And I woke up. And the Lord started to give me some very detailed understanding of how powerful the gift of tongues is. And why He wants His church to have the impartation, not only the impartation, but the value of the gift of tongues. And being centered around the Spirit praying through the church. You walk into a lot of churches and all they do is, number one, most churches don't even have a prayer group. They don't even have an intercession group. They think that this guy standing in a pulpit is what the church is supposed to be. That's not the church. The church is a body embracing the power of heaven through Christ, praying in the Holy Ghost, becoming supernatural. So when I go to churches and I ask them questions, I ask them, how... Tell me, where's your prayer room? Where's your intercession room? Where's the leaders of your intercession? Tell, tell me about, um, is it one day a week for 15 minutes? Or are you guys pulling a full day? Is there people on their knees praying and fasting, hunting down what the Lord is saying? One day a week? Two days a week? Three days a week? Four days a week? Five days a week? Six days a week? Right? How about all week? If you understand why Jesus came as the son of David, David set up 24-hour prayer on Mount Zion. Jesus didn't come to the temple. He came as the son of David in continuous prayer, in continuous worship of God. All the Psalms, our prophecies, our, our revelation from the voice of God through an inner, a culture set on intercession. And so Jesus didn't come as a son of the law. He came as, a, as, the, as the chosen one to come through the line of David who gave their life in prayer. Right? Who created what? They created giant killers. They created supernatural ones. They created ones that could not be stopped. Amen? You get the picture? Amen? And so, one more thing before we start praying. Um, the gift of tongues. Are you, are you guys getting the picture? The Lord, the Lord wants a group of people centered with a supernatural prayer life. But though there's one other thing you have to, have to know and value. And that is this. In, Roman, or I'm sorry, in, in Isaiah 28, verse 9, 10, and 11, the Lord asks a question. Okay? He says, to whom will I teach knowledge? Whom will I make known to understand the report? Okay? The word knowledge there is actually a a supernatural word. It actually means to... It doesn't mean mean, uh, simply scriptural knowledge. It actually means means secret information. Did the Lord give me secret information last night about people? Yeah? Yeah? Did something happen when secret information was revealed? Okay, so that word that word is about impartation. That word is about you being built Legos, you being given something, being made something supernatural by by something that only He can give. So He asked the question: To whom will I reveal knowledge? To whom will I make to understand the report? And He asked the question. He says, "Is it those repeating?" Precept upon precept, line upon line, mm-hmm. here a little, there a little. Mm-hmm. When you read the Amplified, he answers it this way. He says, no. 
So you can't sit there. You, you, what he's bypassing, what he is saying is you can't sit there and uh, make yourself appear righteous because you're reading a bunch of Scripture to people. He's saying, he actually asked the question to you. To whom will I make to understand the report? To whom will I reveal supernatural knowledge? Is it the one standing up here making himself look good? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm your leader. I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to be reading Scripture to you. And you just sit there. You just put your money in the bucket. You just sit there. For the rest of your life, you just sit there. You're not supposed to be supernatural. I'm the supernatural one. Right? <laughs> Come on. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been there, and if you're sitting in places like that right now, get the heck out. Because that's a lie. Because the Lord says, to whom will I make to understand knowledge? To whom will I make to understand the report? Who will I impart? Who will I reveal to? To Is it the one reading Scripture? Here a little, there a little. Um, you know, and he, he describes this process, and he answers, no. I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. Did you hear that? Yes. That, that doesn't make sense to the average man. Yeah. You mean if I pray in tongues, the Lord promises to teach me? You mean all I have to do is pray in tongues and He'll make me something I could never make myself? Amen. You mean all I have to do is embrace the Holy Spirit and if I pray with expectation... The Holy Spirit is going to re- begin re- revealing things to me. Oh my goodness. He's made an idiot proof. Only faith will produce His kingdom. And he, because He's the only one that can impart it. Okay? That's some wisdom. You should wrap your mind around that one. Okay? He answers, no, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. And then He goes on, verse 12, this is the rest in which the weary will rest. And so he's actually talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost and not just a one-time event, but embracing this gift of being how he teaches. He teaches by you submitting yourself in prayer and crying out day and night, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about Romans 8.26. You don't even know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you, right? So you're, you're piecing this all together. It's like, the Lord, has, the Lord is going to make supernatural ones out of those who literally trust His Spirit. Right? Yes. And so the picture, the Hebrew picture of, of verse 11, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. The Hebrew picture is that of a baby crying. Okay? When a newborn baby cries, does a mother have to sit there for a minute and say, you know what, I think that baby needs fed. Click, I better turn on the milk flow. Or, does when that baby start crying, it's like, oh my gosh, uh, where's that baby? I'm getting wet. Right? You get the picture? When that baby cries, the milk is automatic. When that baby cries, the milk is automatic. And the Lord is using the analogy... That if you cry, if you let my Holy Spirit cry through you with a language, you have no idea what I'm saying. The milk will flow out of heaven and nourish you. It's a picture of impartation, of feeding you, of taking you, this little baby, powerless, 
and making you something that is so supernatural that nobody else can take credit for it other than the mother who fed it. You with me? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so the, the, the Father is saying today to you all, um, I just didn't give you my Holy Spirit as like something optional. I gave you my Holy Spirit as the way. Right? The way. It is the way of, of overcoming. It is the way of healing. It is the way of deliverance. It is the way. I mean, I pray in tongues for hours every day. Hours. People ask me, Why, how does this gift of prophecy work? And, and, you know, a lot of people get activated in prophecy, but they don't grow in prophecy. Because here, here, here's what happens. Here's, here's what, this is my experience. Every one of us are given a measure, a, a gift of faith, okay? Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, that we, it says that we are all given a measure um, of faith in Christ Jesus, an assignment. Okay, that's, it's the Greek word metron. Okay, picture of it this way, it's a bubble. Okay, when I walk into places, like the story I described to you, I walked into that place um, in India where none of the people in the room prayed in tongues. And before I even spoke a word, they all started praying in tongues. What is that? That's a supernatural gifting. I can take zero credit, okay? But that was, that's my assignment. My, my assignment is to activate and create a burning hunger for, for a prayer in your hearts that you actually take it and run with it, okay? Because here's the deal. I don't know what happened to that church. I've been in, I've been in hundreds of churches. I've, I've preached to thousands and tens of thousands, probably 150,000 Hindus in India over a five-year period, okay? I don't know what happened afterwards. But I will tell you this. I go to churches in different things in the United States. We do training sessions like this. People get activated. They pray in tongues for the first time. People even start having visions. They learn to prophesy for the first time. But whether or not they continue and grow is fully dependent on your prayer life. And so my metron, my gifting is I activate people. I'm, it's, what I, it's what I'm sent to do. I, I, everywhere I go, people that did not pray, at least 98, 99% of the people, when I'm finished with them, will pray in the Holy Ghost. You will pray in tongues. It's not if, it's a gift, okay? I can't explain it, but if you don't run out the door and you want it, you will pray in tongues, okay? But what you do with it afterward, when my bubble, when I walk out the door, you have to create your own bubble. You have to create your own metron. And the only way your supernatural presence, your, your heavenly identity is built and faith is built is you pray in tongues and you hear Him speak. You pray in tongues, and He imparts more to you. You pray in tongues, and these Lego blocks, you used to be this little Lego block, and suddenly you become a three-story apartment building. And five years later, you become a 20-story apartment building. And ten years later, you become this skyscraper that owns the skies. You get the picture? The picture of this baby crying out, and the father says, it's not if. If you cry out in my language through by, by my Spirit, I will feed you. That's a promise. I will feed you. So, I'm just going to ask you questions. I'm not expecting people to raise your hands, but who prays every day? I don't, you don't need you to raise your hand. You just take inventory. <laughs> you, who prays in tongues every day? More than five minutes. Because I will tell you this. There's a 15-minute mark 
Something happens. There's a presence that, that increases. You go to a 30-minute mark, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I don't really feel that inability anymore. I don't really feel that heavy thing anymore. You hit the hour mark, and all of a sudden you're starting to get downloads. You're starting to get like, he's giving you visions. And all of a sudden you hit the two-hour mark and a three-hour mark, and suddenly an angel comes. Right? An angel comes, lays his hand on you, gives you something. Right? I described a dream yesterday, yesterday morning that I shared last night. Why does that happen? Because I pray. I can't take credit. It's, it, I, all I do is I desperately seek the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when I pray, um, He shows me things. And so that gift is an impartation gift. The Lord, the Lord want, wanted to impart something to you last night. Okay? Did you get something imparted to you? Yes. Did, did, you, did, you, did you walk out electrified or, or something different or delivered from something? Right? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what church is. Yes. If you haven't been delivered, if you haven't been imparted, what are you? Oh, you might be a Pharisee. No way. I better, I better not be there. I'm sorry. I better, I better not better not tread on that one. Well, I just came to hear a guy articulate and look good. And just, you know, talking about the spaghetti dinner tonight. Sorry, I'm joking. I, I should get it. I love spaghetti dinners. you got to have spaghetti dinners. But you're supposed to be supernatural and have spaghetti dinners after you deliver the homeless, after you cast out devils, after you prophesy, right? Yes. And so I'll finish with this. The Lord promises you that if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you will prophesy. Paul actually begs the church in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul, Paul starts out, he says, I wish you all prayed in tongues. I'm sorry. He says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Right? So he's setting the goal. He's setting the objective that your intent should be to prophesy. All prophecy is, is you pray, you get visions and dreams, you hear Him, and you release what the Lord says. That's all prophecy is. It's not. It's not. It, you can't. A false prophet tries to speak things of their own heart because they don't hear. Okay. So I always ask people, "Well, sh- tell me the vision the Lord showed you. What, what's He talking to you about?" Well, I don't know. I, you run from that person. Okay. But a spiritual a, a spiritual person should be able to talk about what happened to them in prayer. Okay. I, what, you, you saw the way I prophesied last night. I am very open. I stand there, put my hand on you. The next thing you know, the Lord shows me something. I actually tell you what He's showing me. And when I tell you something, before I even prophesy and pray for you, the picture of the Lord is actually doing the work before I even start praying for you. Right? Yeah. I'm, I, I don't, if I don't get a vision, I don't speak. I'm not going to stand there to try to perform to anybody. Okay? But back to, back to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 5 says this, I wish you all prayed in tongues even more than you prophesy. Why? Because tongues produces edification, but prophecy is to articulate what the Lord is saying. It's actually a mature gift. Mm-hmm. So, the, so you, you hear all kind of these bad theologies that say, well, you know, Paul says this, and that means that you don't really need to pray in tongues, but you should kind of prophesy, but I'm not really sure, so I don't really care. The point... the those are all lies, okay? The point is that Paul is recentering the church that you should center around prayer, you should pray in tongues with an expectation that you mature to prophesy. Right? 
And, you know, whether it's intercession, whatever you call it, you gather. Some people start getting visions and the Lord starts directing a group of people. That's, that's a form of prophecy. That's um, words of knowledge, right? That's, that's, okay, I have a word of knowledge. I have this vision. And two people say, yeah, we're supposed to lay hands. We're supposed to go knock on the blue door down the street. There's a woman in there that is uh, bound to her bed. She can't get up. And we're supposed to go pray for her. You knock on the door and miraculously, there's a woman who can't get out of bed. How's that happen? Supernatural secret information. That's prophecy. And so Paul's saying center your church around praying in the Spirit with an expectation to prophesy. And he goes on in, in chapter 14 and he begins to articulate about how, how to use the gift of tongues and, and he ultimately culminates um, in, in the latter verses, verse 22, 23, 24, somewhere around in that area. And, and he says, how will they know unless they walk into a place who hears God and they reveal the secrets of their heart, they fall down, they weep, they get up saying, surely God is among you. If that doesn't happen in your church, who's talking? Right? Yeah. Who's talking? Puppets. Bah, bah, bah. Parrot. Bah, bah, bah. Right? Trying to look righteous. Without a submitted heart, without a group of people submitted in prayer to pursue the Lord, to hear what He's saying, that's how the world was changed. The Lord gave His Spirit on, on, in Acts chapter 2 in the, in the day of Pentecost. He gives His Spirit. The people are set on fire. It says they prayed in tongues, prophesied, and the world was changed. Amen? Peter actually, Peter actually was given the gift of revelation. He says, this is that. This is what the prophet Joel spoke of, that they would pray in tongues, right? That He would give them dreams and visions and they would prophesy. And, and Peter's saying, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're intoxicated in the Holy Spirit. They are no longer mere men. They are spiritual. They are made alive in Christ. Right? And they couldn't be stopped. They tried to kill Him and kill Him and kill Him. They couldn't be stopped because the men and women who met the living God weren't stuck in a religious system. They were trained to do one thing. We're going to pray. We're going to hear. We're going to go. We're going to pray. We're going to hear. We're going to go. What would your life look like? Right? you got to ask yourself the question, what would my life look like if I set my life around prayer, around spiritual prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit, hearing and doing? What would it look like? Yeah. you got to ask yourself. You don't want to be 65 and turn around and look and say, and I missed my window. I missed it because I refused to pray. I thought my job was more important. I thought my wine and family was more important. That I could fix my wine and family with somehow without the Holy Spirit. I could get on so many, so many trails, man. I mean, we Shelly and I have so many, so much testimony about prayer that's not even funny. But you get the picture, right? You get the picture? Prayer? Your your prayer life will dictate whether you, the real you that's locked inside of you comes out or not. Amen? And so, um, you know, I think it's important. I mean, every, most of the people were here last night. Um, 
but we got a few new ones. Does everybody here pray, pray in the Spirit? You pray, pray in tongues, man? You're good? Yeah. You pray in tongues? You want to? <laughs> Come on up here. And everybody else, you pray in tongues, right? I do, but I have it for a long time. Well, come on up here. You're getting reignited, my friend. Come on I up don't. here. You don't? I don't. Baptize in the Spirit and receive the tongues, but I do not have a heavenly language. I do not pray in tongues. You do not pray in tongues? Well, we're going we're gonna to get that shifted. You believe what I said today, Absolutely. right? The Lord is going to make supernatural ones. Yes. Amen? <laughs> you see, the reason why some of you are trembling right now is because the, the Spirit of God is drawing you. Okay? He's actually, I don't want to use the word begging, but He's imploring you. He's drawing you. Because that, that vision, that dream that I shared with you, he, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to take you into the throne room. That you would hear His voice. All you have to do is trust the, pr- the prayer of the Holy Spirit and He will take you to encounter the living God face to face. That's the goal. Amen? And He'll make you something you can never make yourself. So I'm not going to preach a message again. You, you, you heard it. You believe it. Um, some of you right now are um, feeling um, like, you're, like you have a, uh, a lump in your throat. Um, that's normal. Some of you feel like there's a, a fire in your belly, that's especially normal, okay? That's the presence of God with you, and, he, and He's going to begin praying through you, okay? So I'd like to get people jump-started. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And after a couple minutes, usually what happens is you're not going to repeat after me. You're just going to flow with the Holy Spirit. You're, gonna, you're actually shifting into learning um, to trust the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit pray through you, Okay? So just say this with me. Say in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you sent the sent Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Jesus, that you sowed the Holy Spirit for my benefit. That I would not not walk alone in this world. But I would walk with the most powerful force on earth. Hearing your voice, dreaming your dreams, seeing your visions, and knowing what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I ask for my heavenly language and every gift of the Spirit to be awakened in me now. I ask for the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, wisdom, faith, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I want my gifts activated right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall on me right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. 
We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life. 